I'm here to introduce the best coverage of the teams you're passionate about from the guys you know and trust. Go Town! Turn it up. You're listening to The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Presented by Mountain America Credit Union. Guiding members forward for over 80 years. Yeah, yeah. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Is everybody ready? Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Want to remind you about our friends at Syringa Networks, Verizon, and XO customers. If you were recently notified that some of your telecommunications services will no longer be supported, contact Syringa Networks. Syringa is Utah's fastest-growing premier telecommunications provider. They have a full range of services. Call them today, 385-420-7881. That number again, 385-420-7881. That is Syringa Networks. Looking forward to talking to Sam this week, Gordon. Uh, he was at the Jazz-Kings game last Friday. Not the highest moment of the season for the no. Jazz. No, it was not. He did have a chance to talk to Mike Conley, though, and had a very interesting conversation. I just retweeted his piece he wrote about it, uh, uh, at Jake Scott Zone, if you'd like to see that uh, on Twitter. I just watched uh, the, the Carmelo Anthony video. And what, was it inspiring? No, not particularly. It wasn't the Sad. Most, it wasn't the most upbeat uh, thing I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> what what it tactic was kinda, did he? It was just more of a kind of, hey, how you doing? <laughs> I'm me and you're you. Hey, I'm, I'm here. No, he, he said it was important for him to be there because he's, he's supporting the program. Wanted to be there on opening night and mm. then... Talked about how, you know, everybody, nobody's uh, going to believe in you. And then they went out and scored 34 points and proved everybody right. <laughs> well, maybe it's got nothing to do with Carmelo. Maybe they're just not very good. Uh, well, yeah, 34 points. <laughs> but, I mean, we're kind of blaming Carmelo. Yeah, 15 second-half points. 15. <laughs> uh, yeah, Gordon taking me literally, of course. Yes, I'm not actually blaming Carmelo Anthony. No, I mean. Good for him for supporting his alma mater. But you I'm, not, I'm just that, teasing. You would think that you know giving a good speech would be worth a good 15 points per half right there. You At know? least, at very least. <laughs> I mean, so, you are Syracuse after all. Yeah. Of course, Virginia didn't score a lot either. Still won, though. How would you like to go to that game? <laughs> that would have been a rough one to go to. You get your money back? Mm-hmm. All right, it's time for your NBA Daily Assist. Uh, Alex, hit it. It's time for your NBA Daily Assist. Now, senior NBA writer Sam Amick on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Out to the zone phone we go. The Sprint special guest line, lease any handset for 99, uh, excuse me, lease any handset and get an iPad for 99.99. Visit the Sprint store nearest you. uh, Joining a senior NBA writer for The Athletic, our friend Sam Amick. Hi, Sam. How are you today? Hey, guys. Doing great. Good afternoon. So we were just talking about how we were looking forward to asking you about uh, your experience watching the Jazz in person against Sacramento last Friday, but now we're almost scared to do so. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't. The I highlight. mean, they had a nice win. I, I figure you'd want to talk about the Philly game. You know what I mean? Like much better performance. That, that, yeah, they went a little better for them. I mean, listen, that Kings game. You know, Sacramento was desperate. They were. 0-5 at the time, I believe, and they're at home. 
And so, you know, that that's the human component of the game where they were fighting at a pretty high level. And, you know, it was interesting to see in terms of, like, the inner dynamics with the Jazz. After that game, they were certainly frustrated. And, you know, and, and I wrote a little bit about this, but, like, before I talked to Mike Conley after that game, you know, you could see the, these little conversations that are going on between these people who are still learning one another. So Mike and Rudy Gobert were, were kind of breaking it down as far as where the missed opportunities were. I remember, you know, Rudy made a point about how they just got to get their, their operation correct on the road, because in his mind, like if you get it where you want it on the road, then you're just going to be even more dominant at home. And so, and then they kind of drilled down with a lot more specifics from there. I mean, you can tell that, they are learning one another, even though you have, you know, people in Donovan Mitchell and Rudy and Joe Ingles and that crew that has been doing this together for a while, Mike and, and, you know, similarly, uh, Boyan Bogdanovich, you know, those are new crucial pieces and they're still finding their way. You know, Sam, you, you almost predicted this because I remember when we talked with you, you said, I wonder if the Kings will come out desperate and inspired to, uh, to reverse their fortunes a little bit. And and I thought that's exactly what they did. And I I haven't watched a lot of Kings games, but I thought they played pretty well that night. No, they did. And to be honest, they've, um, you know, this is like not a good time to be pulling silver linings already, but um, they have, you know, they're, they're kind of the silver linings champion at the moment. They had a loss against Denver where they played really well, but Denver's just a better team and they couldn't pull it out. Um, the the worst loss they've had is Charlotte at home. That's the one that is pretty inexcusable. But then even last night they go to Toronto, and I know there's no Kawhi Leonard, but still a very good Raptors team that is now five and two, and they competed and they lose by four. You know they've looked better in the last few games. It started with the Jazz game, then they uh, they, they dominated New York at the Garden, and then dropped that game last night. They just you know now they're behind the eight ball and. And, you know, I think uh, whatever it is, two and six at this point. But it's just, uh, you know, the sample size being small at the start of the year, we all have a tendency to, you know, the fans certainly to panic and and wonder which direction it's going. But they've had, you know, some good moments. That Jazz win was easily the best one for them. It's interesting that a team can do that, that uh, on a certain occasion they can rally themselves, you know, because the Jazz are a better team than the Kings. I don't think you're going to get much of an argument anywhere, but – in that right. in that last moment when the Jazz didn't block out and they scored, I think it was Harrison Barnes, wasn't it? Who scored that yeah. mm-hmm. that second chance point and uh, and the Jazz uh, get get beat. So I don't know. I, I guess that's encouraging for teams that may not have you know the best talent. Well, listen, it's it's. I mean, I think they they've got decent talent. Now they lost Marvin Bagley to a thumb injury for six to eight weeks, and that's a tough blow. Uh, but to your point, Gordon. Like locally, the level of anxiety was at an extremely high level. You got a new coach. You know, I sat down with Luke Walton going into that game and, you know, had a fairly in depth chat about their problems. And I don't think that Luke was going to get fired or Vladi Divac was going to get fired. But even the fact that those questions were already being asked, I mean, if 0 5 becomes 0 8, then it's pro sports, right? So, you know, you don't know what that's going to cause. And so it, it is something that, you you know, that's when the desperation kicks in and, and they pull off a W like that one. 
Sam Amick of The Athletic with us on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. And Sam, you alluded to it earlier. You did have a chance to have a conversation with Mike Conley and kind of smack dab in the middle of his struggles that he played a little better last night. So Jazz fans hoping he pulls out of it a little bit. But uh, fascinating conversation. What I I guess what really stood out to you or or did you learn something or were you surprised uh, about something uh, that he said in that interview? Probably just how personally he's taking the whole experience. I mean, I think a lot of guys, like we know that if you make a list of, you know, NBA stars who have not been all stars, Mike Conley is probably number one on that list. He's a high level player who hasn't gotten that nod, but he's kind of considered that level. So that kind of accomplishment combined with 12 years, you know, somewhere else in Memphis, um, I think a lot of players in his position would come into a situation like Utah and essentially just kind of, you know, try to fit in quickly, do their best, but not take it so personally. And he admitted that he really has been, that he wanted the Jazz Nation to, you know, kind of learn his game and learn who he is as a person, as a competitor, and put on a good show and, and almost reintroduce himself to a whole new audience. And he was disappointed that it hadn't gone very well early on. Now he's had a couple breakout games. Now last night, the number that jumped out to me, certainly that, it shows a good night for the Jazz. It was a plus 19. Like, you know, his, he's a little bit inefficient from the field, but your point guard turning in a plus 19 every night, you're going to be in good shape. So, um, but he just talked about the pressure he put on himself, how lonely of an experience it was, because not only was he trying to get used to the new surroundings, he talked about the basketball language with Quinn Snyder versus, you know, his Grizzlies coaches in the past and how, you know, Quinn would drop, certain terminologies about about different plays and you know Rudy and Donovan and Joe and those guys know exactly what it means and their brains are instantly telling them where to go and what to do and Donovan is just a step slow I'm sorry uh, Mike is a step slow because he's not familiar with it and you know on top of all the basketball stuff I think some of the stuff we forget about occasionally is just the life stuff so he's got kids you know he's got a family and you know trying to get them situated in town and get everybody comfortable. They lived in a hotel for a while, and then they're moving over to a, a new place, and, and that's all happening while he's you know, trying to, to, to compete at a high level. Yes, Sam, and the other thing I didn't really know was that he traditionally starts slow, and so that all of that combines exactly what you described. What did you make of the game overall last night if you were able to see uh, more than a few minutes of it? I didn't see a ton. I tried to watch the uh, – the condensed version today. I don't know if you guys have ever tried that on a league pass. Um, it's usually a great option today. I'm not sure why it was malfunctioning to where it was all the weirdest camera angles you could possibly imagine. So it didn't quite give me what I needed. I mean, it looks like, I mean, you're talking about a, a high level win. That's, that's a Sixers team that had Joel Embiid back from his two game suspension, you know, and, and had, um, they had Simmons last night, didn't they? When did he they get did. hurt? For the, he got hurt in the second quarter. He played 10 minutes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, you know, still, I mean, that that's obviously to the uh, Utah's advantage, but a quality win. I mean, Philly was the only undefeated team until a couple games ago, and, you know, I, I just think that all season long, this Jazz team is going to be so interesting to monitor and to watch because, you know, in the media, myself included, we are definitely guilty – of being obsessed with like the kind of the sexiness of the dynamic duo approach with these, these different elite teams. And so we will fixate on 
Westbrook and Harden in Houston and LeBron and AD with the Lakers and Paul George and Kawhi Leonard with the Clippers. And, and the Jazz have like a humble man's version of that, but it's just not the same type of marquee uh, name. I mean, Donovan is your star, and Rudy is a one-of-a-kind force defensively and a guy who never gets enough credit offensively, but it's it's not you know as clean of a dynamic duo kind of arrangement as some of these other squads, but, but it's a five-man game. It's an eight-man game, really. And they're deep, and they have more scoring than they have in the past, at least in terms of options. And and uh, and I, I'm probably going to write something in the somewhat near future about talking to Donovan about that stuff and about how you know he smiles a lot more these days when he looks out to his left and his right and he sees options like a Mike Conley and a Bogdanovich, and you know, in addition to what they had before. So I think they're going to just get better as the season goes along. Sam, I want to ask you about load management. I know you've uh, you've written a little bit about this uh, up at the Athletic, and I, I want to ask you this question: Why is it such a big deal right now? Is it simply because the Kawhi's missed two nationally televised games? Because he missed twenty games last year, so it's not like this is new. Greg Popovich basically started this load management thing. What, Gordon? You know, ten years ago with Tony Parker and and Tim Duncan. Why all of a sudden is it an extreme hot and button issue today? I think mainly because the league set up a schedule in which um, they had back-to-back games for the Clippers that were on national television. And from the Clippers' vantage point, it puts them in a challenging spot because you are going to tick off the NBA no matter what. You know, the, you know, the, the perfect scenario would be a Wednesday game against Charlotte that's not on national TV and nobody really cares if Kawhi sits, and then Thursday night against Milwaukee and Giannis Antetokounmpo, something like that. Instead, it was against Milwaukee and then against Portland tonight, and, and they chose to have Kawhi sit against Milwaukee. But the reason it's such a loud topic is the most obvious thing is that it's an ESPN game, and their ratings, you know, it's safe to assume, took a major dive because of Kawhi's decision to sit. And on top of that, you know, Adam Silver last summer had indicated that the league was going to push back against load management. And, you know, if you didn't have an injury reason for sitting, they didn't want their stars, uh, you know, on the sideline when so many people pay good money to be there and watch them and then also tune in. And really, I think TV drives this whole thing because, and we've had some good reporting about this at our place, ratings went down last year and part of it i think is because lebron went from the east coast to the west coast and you lose a lot of viewership on the east coast when that's the case because of the time change but whatever the reason the nba is making it a major priority to get that thing going back in the other direction now Kawhi leonard on the sideline for an espn game on a wednesday night is not how you do that so um that's why it's a story and also because it was very bizarre yesterday where the Clippers had been, I think, kind of sloppy with their messaging and some people within the Clippers making it seem like it was just 100% load management with no health or injury situation related to it. And then the NBA putting out a public statement saying, no, he has a, a knee injury. And that's why we are not, you know, that's why we are basically saying it's not a breach of protocol, but you know, kind of like telling different stories, and that made the whole thing even more confusing. So, Sam, I bring this up with you in part because Jake has a tendency to hate on 
whichever team his friends root for. True. Right, right. True fact. Jake? Yes, indeed. That's why I don't like the Delaware Mudhands. Oh, well, so, Sam, you probably know people who are like that, right? Uh, I I, uh, I got an email from one of these tracking devices that uh, they, they track uh, hatred, sports hate, for various teams. And at the start of the—through this point in the NBA season, they were tracking phrases such as, I hate such and such a team on, on Twitter. And what team do you think— Got the most hate, if you were to guess. I'm putting you on the spot here, but what team? Oh, I mean, I'm going to feel like Lakers is who comes to mind first. Indeed. The Lakers were, got the most hate on in 34 of the 50 states. The Warriors, sure. 11 states. I guess those in those states, they are appreciating the fact uh, or anticipating the Warriors' complete demise. The Clippers in three states, and the Rockets in two states. And I bring that up because Utah was one of those two states that the, the most hate was. They didn't hate. like the Rockets? At the really? Rockets. Yeah, that surprised me. I thought they would jump in on the Lakers, too. Is this a matter sure. of what, mean, what, what does this mean? What does this mean, really? I mean, what is it because LeBron is with the Lakers, because of the success of the Lakers through the years? Everyone hates uh, franchises that seem to be. I don't know, above others or what? Yeah, I think it's, I mean, it's a, it's a perfect storm of, like that 34 probably would have been in the in the high 20s even without LeBron. Like I think that's the history, uh, and I shouldn't admit that I'm forgetting this. I always forget which franchise has 16 titles versus uh, 17. I think the Lakers are at 16 because the, uh, the Celtics are 17. But, you know, regardless, all that success – and with it, a massively loud and obnoxious fan base that, <laughs> and I'm not trying to paint with that broad of a brush, but I think the folks who don't like the Lakers, that's the way they see the world. Um, and, and it's, you know, not only do they have what everybody else wants in terms of that level of championship history, but, you know, they, they make sure you hear about it. I mean, they just, they have a huge fan base, you know, it's, we see it in the media. When I write about the Lakers, you know, versus the Jazz or more, you know, small market teams, certainly the numbers are different. The level of interest is different. The, you know, the type of discourse is different. So then you add LeBron, who at different times in his career has been, you know, the most kind of despised NBA star of them all, at least at, at his personal, you know, peak in that area back in 2010 with the decision and everything that came with that you know it, it makes sense to me it's not surprising I, I probably would have I would have guessed that the Warriors number was higher I mean there's been a similar feeling about the Warriors in recent years and, and maybe that just speaks again to the totality of it all and the fact that the Lakers like as long as the Warriors run was it still pales in comparison to what the Lakers have been able to do you know going back half a, a century really it reminds me about three or four years ago, Sam. There was uh, somebody wrote something at one of the outlets uh, nationally, and they were saying that the Jazz were the most likable team in the NBA. And I remember when that came out, I thought, "Wait a second, is that a good thing?" <laughs> sure. <laughs> because sure. usually, like you said, people uh, sports hate, if that's the term, uh, teams that are really successful and they're jealous of. 
And I imagine as the Jazz continue to improve, uh, they may become less popular. Well, it's, it reminds me, it's got a little bit like the, the, the Cubs, you know, lovable losers in baseball. I mean, that's not necessarily the tag you want. Um, it's funny you mentioned that. This is not exactly what you were saying, Gordon, but last night got a chance to say hello to, to former, uh, you know, kind of jazz fan favorite Kyle Korver. Mm. And, and I believe they're coming in soon because he mentioned that he'd be seeing, you know, the old jazz crowd. And Kyle was and I were kind of having a laugh about how, I was, to be honest, I was telling him how this jazz crew from a media standpoint is one of my favorites in the league. Quinn Snyder is a joy to talk to in front of office with Dennis Lindsay, Justin Zanuck, and those guys, uh, David Morway, and all the way down the line, you know, and, and the players who you got some, some pretty neat human beings, I think, in that locker room. Kyle kind of laughed. He goes, yeah, it wasn't that long ago when, when he was there, when it wasn't, you know, it was good people, but not as media friendly, you know, the, the legend Jerry Sloan wasn't looking to, to break down any X's and O's with media types who didn't understand what he was doing. That just wasn't his style. Uh, you know, Darren Williams at different times had an edge with, uh, with the media. And so a different vibe, you know, this group, uh, I don't know that I would, if you call them, you know, likable and relatable, um, I think they can pull that off while also being a, a really, really good team that, that's going to make a ton of noise this season. Yeah, the Jazz are playing the Bucks on Friday. Friday, night. yeah. So we'll see him Friday. Right. Well, Sam, as always, thank you so much for jumping on with us. Always a highlight of the week, man. Keep up the good work. You got it. Thanks, guys. Have see a great you, week. See you too, Sam. Thanks, Sam. Sam Amick of the Athletic, and this this was a good week to to talk to Sam because he got an up close and personal look at the Jazz last Friday. Had a chance to talk to Mike Conley and had a, a lot of great jazz material to bring to the table this week. Yeah, I mean, look, he said the same thing that we've been suspecting, that sometimes these things do take time. And even with good players, it's not a matter of looking at a Mike Conley and saying, oh, man, this guy's lost it. B.S., man. How right. could a guy like that lose it? Yep. Like, he doesn't. He just needs to, as you brought up, get comfortable. And I think it's just a matter of game by game, you know? I would be willing to bet. Well, I better be careful about my bets because seriously, they get me you in made some bad sometimes. ones sometimes. But uh, I would. You, let me say it this way: What's the date today? The seventh of November. By the seventh of December, or if you want to be conservative about it, by the seventh of January, what will Mike Conley be looking like at that point? I think we're going to be seeing Mike Conley. Well, and he was good last night. He, yeah. he played well. I mean, his shooting percentage wasn't terrific, but he, he said did a, plus nineteen. Yeah, he did a lot of great things. The 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 four offensive rebounds and five total rebounds drew praise from Quinn Snyder in the postgame. Yeah, that's I mean, right. You know, and it maybe maybe that's the thing. He just figures out a, a zillion different ways to affect the game if his shot's not going down, and and that will come as he gets more comfortable. But I I thought what was important about his interview with Sam was. He wants the fans to know how personally that he is taking this. This is not something that he is taking lightly. This and it is might something be something that might hurt him because right. he cares so much. And sometimes we rip players for, for not adjusting quickly enough, but the fact that their care factor is so high is what you want out of a player, right? That's exactly what you want out of a player. So it'll come. I mean, it, it, and it's starting to come. 
And maybe I think we all fooled ourselves that the night against the Clippers when he had the big second half, the 18 points in the third quarter, the 29 total points. I think we all kind of were like, oh, well, okay, that's over. That's it. You know, <laughs> he figured it out. All right. Hey, next stop, uh, NBA title. And it's just it might not be that simple. But I think it's important that like the 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 box out thing we were talking about earlier. I think that story, sort of stuff is really important to him getting comfortable because it is different. He's been asked to do different things on both sides of the ball. The communication is different. Even Rudy's accent being French is different than the Spanish accent that he's <laughs> used to dealing with with Marc Gasol. You know, little little things like that, and he's he's just getting used to it. Well, I uh, these games are important, so that you have this this two headed thing going on. You want to do everything you can to get Mike Conley as comfortable as he can become as quickly as it can happen. And on the other hand, every, as we've talked about, it's like the whole season is, is a playoff situation because come the end of the season, you know, you're going to see a game separation. Or it could be like last year where what two games, uh, two or three games separate uh, uh, a range of six seeds. Crazy. Yeah. So so it's important for uh, – it's kind of like, okay, Mike, get comfortable as quickly as possible and hurry up. It's just not that easy, unfortunately. It's not. It's not. Want to remind you that the savings are on at West Valley Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram. Get a new Jeep for less when you stop by during the Black Friday sales event. Don't wait to see – don't wait to save, excuse me. Visit us today. All right, we'll have more coming up next. Stay tuned. It is The Big Show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Show Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Thanks for making us a part of your day. Want to also say thanks to our friends at Diamond Airport Parking. Fantastic rates, free car washes, 24-7 shuttle service detail, oil changes, glass repair while you're away. Diamond Airport with the best rewards program in Utah. Only valet service in Utah. Park ride and save just off I-80 and Redwood Road. Diamond Airport Parking. Uh, we talked to Sam about load management. Uh, Gordon, in our NBA Daily Assist, and uh, got his thoughts and the breakdown on. Did you uh, see? Uh, did you see? I guess uh, Steve Clifford's comments about this, and uh, well, his comments about what Michael Jordan's opinion is on all this load management. I stuff. did not see it. No, what did he say? All right, um, he said, "Quote, <coughs> excuse me, our guys aren't used to sitting on the second game of back-to-backs. We're not sitting guys just to sit." For me, my background, frankly, it all goes back to expectations. Being with Michael in Charlotte, Michael used to tell them every year, you're paid to play 82 games, unquote. <laughs> that sounds like Jerry Sloan, doesn't it? That's such a Michael Jordan quote, too, because he played all the time, yeah. too. Yeah. I mean, these all, it's funny to hear interviews with these old-school NBA guys that are just burying the new-school dudes. I don't blame them on this one. I agree with them. And I get it. If you're sick or you're hurt, then don't play. If you're ready to go, then play. That's what you're paid to do, right? I I I agree. I've seen I've seen various people sticking up for these players, and it, it just it's beyond me because they say, "Well, they're taking care of their bodies." Well, yeah, they're getting paid to play. They're getting paid to play, either. Did it hurt Michael Jordan? 
Could Michael have played till he was 50? I just, uh, to me, it's what you do. You play. And I get it. Okay, so if you want to distribute some minutes and be uh, and, 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 and sort of pick and choose, then, then play a guy for 20 minutes one night and play him for 20. Then That's better than absolutely missing games, in my opinion. Uh, I don't even really like the, the either. But uh, to, to just skip games at this point in the season, how many Kawhi's missed two already? How many games have the Clippers played? Uh, I'd have to eight? look. Probably eight. That's well, rid- he missed twenty last year, Gordon, and it couldn't have worked better. You know, uh, I'm sure Greg Popovich will tell you Tony Parker and Tim Duncan's career was elongated because of the way he handled them. Well, if that's going to be the standard, then I would say uh, you better win a championship. But you know, if you're going to sacrifice uh, pleasing the customers by not allowing them to see the stars that they're paying to see play, then doggone it, you better win a championship. Because that that might be the only thing that makes up for it. And that and and if you don't, if you finish second, third, or fourth, fifth, sixth, then I'm not sure it's worth it. Well, I'm just glad that your opinion finally aligns with mine when it comes to the NBA and sports in general is entertainment first and foremost, and that absolutely is no, the priority. I think, well, I think it's both. Both should be priorities. But you can have two priorities. But see, in this case, I don't think you can. Oh, yes, you can. Because there's not really you, a strong— you tell me, you, How many games did LeBron, LeBron play when he was winning all those championships? But I, I don't think you can really argue with the science that they're— ta- I mean, it's— how can you argue with you play fewer games that you're going to be healthier? I mean, that's that's just where did it tear. hurt LeBron? That, that's a fact. Well, LeBron's superhuman, and so is MJ and Carmelone and John Stockton. That used to be what was expected. And Kawhi's not superhuman. And, well, now it's managed. Now it's managed differently. Uh, it, ultimate example, different sport. But don't you remember when they shut down Steven Strasburg right before the they went to the playoffs yeah, because yeah. he had hit his pitch count? Yes, I do remember that. So, I, I mean, you could even make an argument that would Steven Strasburg even still be pitching today if they hadn't handled it the way that they did well, way back an, then? Well, that's an impossible question to answer. Right. Would the, would the Raptors have won the title last year if they didn't deal uh, or, or handle the Kawhi Leonard situation well, like I, they did? I, we'll never know that, and will we? Let's also, but what we do know is that Kawhi took a bunch of time off. And let's not forget that I'm sure that this has worked into his, his deal. I mean, yeah. this is this is. He said, "Okay, you want me to come play for the Clips? All right, I'm playing 60 games a year. That's it." I, I'm with the old timers on this. I think it's embarrassing. Well, he, I mean, Gordon, if you could negotiate a deal, you know, where you you got paid a, a ton of money to do, you know, well, maybe you're a bad example because you really like doing the show. I'd like to think, but I mean, how many if people could negotiate a four day work week for themselves out there, they'd do it. That's probably what Kawhi did uh, to a certain extent. Would you take time off just to take time, you know, because you didn't feel like it, you, want, you just didn't want to do the show? I, I, I understand NBA basketball is a lot more physical and all that sort of we got construction workers out there hauling lumber and shoveling cement. It, I, I, they, they get the job done. Yeah, and then you have executives taking a nap in their office. I mean, you're, uh, we're all, we all play the hand we're dealt, Gordon. And the but, NBA, but these guys are paid explicitly to be on the court, and people are buying tickets to watch these guys play. So I, I, and he's I, getting paid to play 60, not 82. 
Well, if that's the case, then his per game average just skyrocketed, didn't it? Hey, it's a good gig if you can get it. Yeah, I, I just... I don't, hey, I don't like it either. I, I think they I think do have an do, obligation to play. I think you can do both. I, I, you don't have to take 22 games off to win a championship. Nope, you don't have to. But does it help? I don't know. It helps. Uh, you don't know that, do you? Um, so would Michael Jordan have won more championships if he'd taken 20 games off every year? You could make that argument. Well, how? What do you mean, well, how? He won all the championships. He did not. He didn't win all the well, championships. Won, how many wins? Six? Yeah, but he, how long was he in the league? <laughs> Just, I, I, I don't think you can prove it one way or the other, can you? No, you can't. But, the, I mean, ESPN did a, and I had this tweeted at me the other day, a, a breakdown of the science, you know, talking about rest and sleep and, and how beneficial that it can be. And, and after all, the idea is to be fresh for the playoffs. And who's to say that, uh, you know, that Michael was always fresh in the playoffs. Now he was the best to ever do it. So maybe he overcame a lot of that. And that's part of his greatness. There's there's no doubt. But the regular season has the, the importance is uh, of each game is is you can make an argument really not that great. Now, I know you just got done talking about how close the Western Conference is going to be. But you and I have had the argument uh, for years that seeding in, in the NBA means next to nothing. What did it mean for the Jazz last year? That they weren't better than Houston? That would have been, regardless of their seed, that would have they been They could have easily, I, I think under a lot of scenarios, they would have made the second round at least. But they ran into the Rockets. I, Jake, I get it. You can make arguments, I guess, either way. But to me... You owe something to your customers because it's in it's entertainment because you're putting on a show every night. I agree, but competitively speaking, I don't think you can make a strong argument that this doesn't work. Then they should line that up. Then they should shorten the season. Well, I don't hate that idea. Yeah, but they're never going to do that, so they got to figure out something else. So what are they going to figure out that hey, this is they're going to excuse this they, and say this is okay, uh, players. Uh, Donovan Mitchell isn't going to is going to miss a, a fourth of the games. The only the only group that can do anything about this is the NBA Players Association. That's what are, it. Uh, what are they going to do? Well, here's the thing. Here's how it gets fixed, Gordon, and it's not an overnight thing. And and I know we're up against it. We've got the not sports report coming up next. But it honestly, the league can't do anything about it because if you start punishing teams for for load management say they're just going to change what they report right. it's not load we we already saw it we saw a release from the NBA yesterday on the Kawhi thing well he he meets our standards for a knee injury i mean they're just going to fake it you know call it whatever you want uh, what is a uh, skin irritation for remember <laughs> that uh, what was his name kevin Kevin Murphy for the Jazz. He was listed it out as out once with skin irritation. The, he had the, a rash. The, the, the but that, that's what they're well, going to do. A rash could be rather debilitating. You know? and, <laughs> and not not speaking from personal experience. So here's what needs to happen is the <laughs> NBA PA has to realize that they're going to lose money in the next TV negotiation if this continues on. And so they've got to tell their players, listen, you got to knock this crap off because it's going <laughs> to it's going to hurt us in the pocketbook. But I mean, that's the think, only way that this gets fixed. Don't you think missing two games in the first eight is a bit excessive? Yes, and I'm, I'm ESPN, I'm ticked off. And and Sam mentioned that. I mean, you know, there's ratings are an issue. And, and listen, if a game doesn't reach the target rating on TV, then that means that ESPN has to start doing make goods on their ads, which just costs some money. So, I mean, it's a big deal to them 
whether and this is specific, this isn't over the season. I mean, we're talking like specific games here. If they don't make the ratings that they've kind of estimated to their advertisers, it costs them a lot of money. And so next time they negotiate these, you know, gazillion dollar deals, they're going to come to the table and they're going to say, "Listen, your product is not as valuable." as you're saying it is, because your guys are not playing in these marquee games and we're losing money. That That's going to be what changes everything. All I can tell you is if the Clippers don't win a championship this year, watch out, Kawhi, because you're going to get slammed all over the place. And he already is. But I, He doesn't I, care. I, no, maybe he doesn't care, but maybe he should care. And again, maybe I get every once in a while, every once in a while, two and eight games. That's embarrassing. All right. Not Sportsport next. Stay tuned. Josh Parcell at 530, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 uh, and 1280 The Zone. Good news, Gordon. What's that? We're going to be at Jimmy's Flowers. Coming up on Tuesday, November the 12th from 3 to 6, 70 South Main Street, their Bountiful location. They have a place in Bountiful? Yeah, I'm guessing it's new. Wow. So how about that? We're going to be uh, going and hanging out with our friends at Jimmy's. Oh, Excited I, about I, that, that. That's my favorite flower shop. And uh, I, But I've never been to this one in Bountiful. That's exciting news. Yeah. So anyway, come hang out with us. Uh, it's time for the Not Sports Report, brought to you by the LHM Used Car Supermarket. Over 1,000 used vehicles in inventory. Shop online, lhmusedcars.com. Gordon, where are we going today? Going to Mississippi. Mississippi? <laughs> Mississippi. Okay. All right. So uh, there's a woman uh, in Mississippi who is a big deer hunter. Loves to hunt deer. Okay. You ever been on a deer hunt? No. Ever had any desire to go on a deer hunt? None. You don't want to kill Bambi? Uh, just hunting, not not really my thing. Alex, you into hunting? Not so much. I'm more of a fishing guy. Oh, okay. All right. Well, Bertha loves to... Uh, Her name's to, Bertha? Yeah. Bertha Vickers. She loves to hunt. She loves to hunt. And recently, she's been frustrated because her... Uh, Family members or friends built her a blind, and she was out there hunting, and she had an opportunity to get four or five deer, and she missed them. Well, that that bad luck, that run of bad luck, ended the other day when she lined up a shot on a deer and blasted away, and she she got her deer, but there happened to be a deer standing right behind the other deer. So she got two deer in one shot. Okay. She said, I saw the two deer on the ground. I shot plumb through both of them. Plumb through? Is that what it says there? <laughs> they both dropped right there. They didn't take another step. I, uh, she said, uh, uh, she saw the other deer, but didn't realize it was so close to the one that she was aiming at where it could get shot. Now, here's the kicker on the story, I'm Jake. I'm glad there's one. Bertha Vickers, she's 101 years old. Jeez. 101 years old. 
and she could fire a rifle? <laughs> How many one hundred and one year olds would you handle a would you hand a rifle to? I don't know. And not that, but she does other kinds of hunting too. She shoots squirrels. She said she's been doing this her whole life, and oh. she's still doing it. She said she's looking forward to doing it again next year. Well, good here, for her. Here, great-great-grandma, have a shotgun. I don't, I don't know you, if that's what you use. I don't think you can hunt deer with a yeah, shotgun. Yeah, you probably use what? What do you use? A rifle. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I just I don't I don't hear about these kinds of stories very often where— I mean, most people are 101. Well, first of all, most people never reach the century mark. A lot of people who are 80 don't even drive a car, let alone shoot a rifle. But she did, and she killed two deer in one shot at the age of 101. She said that never happened before, Hmm. but she shot plumb through. Plumb through. (laughs) I love that. That's my favorite part of that story. Plumb through both of them. And then she helped cut up the meat. She said it's not like the old days, you know, in leaner times where she absolutely needed the meat to survive. But she said she cut it up and uh, handed it out to her grandkids. She she at one point hunted for survival? Well, I mean, that's, that's the impression I got from the story. Yeah. You know, back in aught six. I was going to say, because I think, I'm pretty sure the old Piggly Wiggly has been down the road for a while now. Yeah, but some, you know, uh, sometimes meat can be pricey. And I guess they have a lot of deer there in Mississippi. Okay, but survival? (laughs) I don't know. I don't know what her financial situation was. But she said that back in leaner times, she used to always collect the meat and then uh, store it. And uh, and eat it all herself, but she says she doesn't, you know, she doesn't, she doesn't use it much anymore. That reminds me of a joke about grandma. No, Do you want to hear it? Not really. <laughs> you don't. You don't want to hear my joke about. I, I'm allowing you the, okay. the space to do so. Please. All right. I'll, I'll do this. It's a long story, but I'll no, try to no. It. Let's make it. <laughs> let's make it brief. All right. So there was this uh, this grandma who uh, had three sons. And the three sons were pretty successful people. One was a doctor, one was an attorney, and one was some other kind of professional. And they got together. They all they all gave their mom a, a, a present for her birthday. And they they all got together and they were bragging. The sons were bragging about the gifts they gave their their mom. And one of them said, uh, uh, "I I gave uh, mom a new car, and not just a new car, but I got her a, a chauffeur to go with it." And the other one said, uh, I think the first one's name was Max or something. The second son, Joe, said, uh, well, I, I, I outdid that. I bought mom a new house. And uh, the third one said, I got you both beat. You know, grandma likes to, she's, she likes to read the good book. So I found a parrot that was trained by the church elders to memorize the entire Bible and you know, Grandma, her eyes are a little, you know, weak now. She can't really see very well. So all she had to do is say to the bird a chapter and verse, and the bird would would uh, recite the verse. So it took the elders like 20 years to train this bird this special skill. And so a month later, Grandma was uh, Mom was writing out thank you notes. 
and she wrote a note to Max and said, Max, thanks for the car, uh, but uh, the driver's kind of rude, and I really don't go many places anymore, but thanks. And then she wrote to Joe and said, Joe, uh, thanks for the house, but I mostly stay in one room. You know, I don't uh, get around very much. I just stay down in the one room, so I feel kind of bad that the rest of the house is wasted. And then she wrote to Tom, the one who gave her the bird, <laughs> and said, Tom, you are my son who truly knows what your mom wants. She said, thanks for the chicken. It tasted great. You're right, Gordon. That was long. <laughs> Alex, Alex goes, break yeah let's let's do really? it was that do i need to apologize that took or? up like half the show <laughs> <laughs> well see but they, they trained the bird it took them 20 years to train the bird to, to recite chapter and verse and mom ate the bird we got we got it <laughs> all right i thought it was a cute story long <laughs> thorough thorough <laughs> really long, long story. Not worth the punchline. No, not worth the payoff. Yeah, pretty well, long. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. Stay tuned, <laughs> please. We're gonna get We're some more you. coming up next. Stay tuned. 97.5 and 1280 the zone.